You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Angelica, and I'm your host, and joining me is my co-host, Ryan. Say hey, Ryan. Hello. Praise be. Today, we will be talking about Handmaid's Tale, episode seven, titled Under His Eye. And Very appropriately titled. <laughs> Under His Eye, indeed. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, first thoughts, Ryan. First thoughts. What do you think of this episode? Uh, there was definitely a lot of people watching other people. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with that part. Uh, this episode was kind of like, eh, to me. Yeah, okay. like, I, you know, I didn't really feel like one way or the other. I kind of felt like it was like that good filler, you know, kind of mm-hmm. give us kind of give us a little bit more details. But I didn't like hate it, but I didn't love it. Right. You know? It wasn't like so, yeah. a crazy thorough ride episode like last episode. It w- I would consider it a filler um, I do think that it set in motion um, for those of you that are all caught up that I've watched ahead. Um, it does set in motion June's downward spiral this episode. Um, yeah, I heard about that. I saw some stuff about that. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm interested to see what that means, like what all that is. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I know we're talking about this episode, but next week is it's, it's going to get real. Um, so this episode is kind of to a degree the calm before the storm um where you kind of see june sort of go to the dark side um oh man oh man so yeah we're, we're gonna talk about it but this episode actually was unusual because it didn't open with june's inner dialogue um it was I mean, it's not like a cold opening, but to me, it felt like a cold opening because there's no June narrating. It's yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> so th- it was just a lot of like scary images. Yeah, not really her saying anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like this theme, just the, this red rope, just kind of spoke to me. So, um, basically, the handmaids they're being marched out. Um, it's like a th- rope, three pronged rope. Um, initially, you don't know exactly what they're up to. Like, so they're being marched out. They all line up. And they pick up this rope and Aunt Lydia is ahead of them, basically telling them to like, pull, pull, you know, like Les Mes vibes, you know, <laughs> like right. what exactly are they doing? So you see like this crank as they pull, um, you see this crank go and then you slowly put it together. You see a platform being raised and then you realize that they're having the handmaids raise up this platform to hang people. So you like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, So uh, essentially they execute. The handmaids are basically the executioners in this case. Um, You know, uh, people that have committed various crimes are marched onto this platform and they're hanged. And and the handmaids, they they pull up the platform. And then when they release the rope or drop the, they pull the rope some more, they actually drop the platform. Um, And then, you know, this is like their 
uh, seems to be a weekly duty at this point. And, you know, if you notice from a few episodes ago with the Martha Allison escaping and then another Martha dying in the process of, of escaping and then, you know, Cora disappeared and you see all these public hangings. Um, it seems like Gilead is like really cracking down. So there's executions left and right. Um, yeah. So Aunt Luck, and the fact mm-hmm. that the handmaids have to do it really bothers me. Yeah. I hate that. I hate the whole part of this show that every time it's like back to the handmaids, they have to do it. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a way to oppress them, but also to kind of make them culpable because, I mean, you can't say you're a helpless victim if you are participating in these executions, despite the fact that you're being forced, you're still participating. Um, and so Aunt Lydia dismisses them and of Matthew and June walk away, they're walking partners, so they're, they're kind of stuck with each, with each other. And um, of Matthew basically tells june once again she's like oh you know i'm so glad that she died essentially you know that mother allowed her baby to cry and you know anyone that's a parent knows about the cry it out method sometimes picking up your baby is going to do them more harm than good you have to let them cry it out you have to let them self-suit and get themselves to sleep well apparently that's a crime in gilead you can't let your baby cry yeah. it out. Uh, apparently, yeah. Apparently, so um, June's like, you know, she didn't deserve to die for that. And of Matthew, you know, spews out her typical, you know, zealot uh, speech, and uh, she starts to like go on a rant, you know, one of her little religious rants, and then morning sickness kicks her in the ass. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, this baby's like, you need to be quiet. Yeah, huh? she needs to slow down. So. Um, June, like June for once is kind, is kind of Matthew. She works, you know, helps her work through her morning sickness. She tells her to breathe. And of Matthew kind of confines in June and tells her, you know, up until this point, I always was, you know, so happy when I was pregnant. It was a joy to be pregnant. And this pregnancy is different. It feels different. Um, and June asks her, well, you know, did you go to the doctor? And the doctor's like, yeah, everything's fine. Um, but, you know, I just feel different. And June tells her, you know, when I was pregnant with Hannah, um, I know I had some thoughts that I'd be ashamed to repeat now. And this is when of Matthew snaps back to reality. She's like, I don't have any thoughts. My, I am blessed. My baby is a blessing. Um, and June's like, okay, girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, stay in that denial. You know, it works for it you. Never works for you. Um, you know, and as we said before, this this is, would be of Matthew's fourth pregnancy in Gilead. Um, so this is like really wearing on her and, you know, maybe she was fortunate enough in her three other pregnancies to have easy pregnancies where she really wasn't hit with morning sickness, where she didn't have heartburn and now she's getting all that. Um, so I'm sure, um, taking into account her environment and just the wear and tear on her body, plus knowing you have to give up yet another child, she's really starting to feel this. Um, and so, they go to Fish and Loaves, my favorite grocery store. And um Is it though? Is it? <laughs> it's like is it really it's I mean they get the guts up there, so I guess I can see that. Yeah. I guess I can see that. I mean to me, you know why I kinda like seeing them go to Fish and Loaves? Um, because it's kind of like the hub uh for the handmaids. Uh, that's true that is know, true, yeah. where they exchange secrets and it's almost like one of the few normal things that are left in this world, you know, going to the grocery store, even though there's like guys with machine guns sitting around. I just, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe because, you know, if you look at the setting of the show, um, 
like the even the cinematography like the way they lay out the scenes they always have this like bluish tint to it i don't know if any of this darker tint to it and then when you go into fish and loaves it's super bright so maybe that's why i'm just like okay yeah 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 now that you're describing it yeah i didn't notice that before that's a good yeah, point so yeah i'm just like oh, i like it um <laughs> so the handmaids um walk in um and you know of robert uh basically approaches of matthew and of joseph technically june and says you know hey that shipment of fruit cocktail you were looking for it's here um and if matthew's like or yeah matthew's like i love fruit cocktail and then one of the other handmaids (laughs) are like uh yeah can you help me pick out some some tomatoes or some avocados i forgot what they were asked but they were like helping her asking her to help with produce so um matthew's like okay she walks off and then of robert and june walk off together and she's like really fruit cocktail and uh, <laughs> uh, Robert's like, what can I say? You know, I'm terrible at improv. Um, so I thought that was funny. And you know what? Shout out to of uh, Robert. Uh, I actually kind of, I wish she kind of had more screen time because she's so sarcastic. Yeah. And funny. Yeah, she always gets like these, yeah, she gets like that one liner that you don't see anymore. I'm like, man, we need somewhere her, like, you know, some of these like real, real rough moments who like little sarcastic lines. Yeah. Like, she, like she's the one that called um, Aunt Lydia hell on wheels. Um, when she was rolling around in her in her in her powered scooter, so I like I like I like of Robert. Um, she's ob- yeah, she's, yeah, she's cool, cool yeah. and she's obviously well connected. So, um, June goes over to the freezer to look at I guess fruit cocktail, and the Martha Hannah's Martha is there. So Hannah's Martha is like, girl, like I told you not to come looking for me anymore. Like leave leave well enough alone. Like Hannah's happy. You know she's at a she's at her school. She's as happy as she wants to be. Um, she's doing well. And June's like, yeah, she's out of school where she's happy, but she'll get her finger chopped off as she reads, you know, um, things are getting really bad around here. This is like the fourth execution I've attended this week. They're, you know, they're hanging people left and right. Do you think things are going to get better? And she tells her, you know, my commander can get us out of here. He can, he can set us all free. So, you know, the Martha's like, you know what? I don't want to be involved. You can't come to the house. You're not going to be able to see your daughter. You know, you can't ask her to come with you. It's not going to happen. And June basically tells her, um, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Brookline to her school and I'm going to see her. And eventually the Martha just kind of gives in to her demands and she tells her, okay, there is a guardian. His name is Guardian Parker. He's a friend. Um, go to the school before three o'clock. That way you'll be able to see Hannah. So we see June, you know, pushing her limits per usual. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. There's a really great new podcast from Stitcher called The Secret Lives of Black Women. It's all about black women flourishing through the world's bullshit and finding their path to joy. The hosts, Sharla Lauriston and Lauren Domino, are friends, writers, and black women striving to live their best lives and trying not to lose their minds. They connect with guests over shared experiences by wading through their struggles with everything from sex and self-care to rage and anxiety. Each conversation centers on creating a space for joy with some newfound besties while asking questions like, What skills can black women learn to bring them more joy? How do we find happiness in the modern world? Check out The Secret Lives of Black Women in your podcast app now and make sure to subscribe. 
Yeah. Yep. Good old June. So um, they watched it. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame her, but I'm like, I'm always just like on the edge of my seat all the time because yeah. it never like it never pans out like you get it because, you know, obviously she wants to see yeah. her daughter. She wants to get her out of there. That's like her own her whole yeah. mission. But it's just so like I'm like the way she goes about it. I'm like, oh, she's gosh. she's reckless. She's wild. And she really doesn't think about the consequences yeah. of her actions. She's just dead set of seeing her child. But she has to be smarter about it because you I mean, yeah, because I'm like, you're going to get got before you get Hannah because you're not smart about exactly and you know as the martha and june separate we see of matthew looking on very suspiciously and as anyone knows that's been watching this show the handmaids are tasked to spy on each other so the fact that june's basically canoodling with hannah's martha is not a good look um and uh, matthew is very um very re- religious she's a zealot she's very much a woman of gilead she believes in what she does so seeing june do that i mean that's gonna raise suspicions on her end so it's like oh my god june you gotta you gotta move you gotta move a little differently so yeah <laughs> definitely. definitely so next we um are back in canada um emily is being questioned by the canadian government it appears to be a a, a swiss person um I wouldn't say interrogating her, but talking to her. Um, apparently, Gilead is insisting on her criminal behavior. They're insisting that it's recorded. Um, and so, you know, the, the Swiss lady's asking her about, you know, did she kill a guardian? Did she run over a guardian last fall? Um, you know, did you attack your superior? Uh, so, you know, she's being questioned on these things. And Emily's like, Yes, I did. And Sylvia, her wife, is looking on and she's upset with this line of question. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Do you have any idea what she's been through, what those people did to her? Um, so, I mean, and to a degree, she's completely justified by what she did. Um, and Emily tells her it's okay. So they continue with the interview. And then later on, as they're leaving, Sylvia reassures Emily that, you know, no, I don't care what you did. You know, I know what you went through down there. And whatever you did, you know, it was basically for survival and it's okay. Like, I, I, I'm i not going to hold it against you. Uh, yeah. And I feel like this is the worst kind of scenario for uh, somebody's like Emily's mm-hmm. character, um, because I kind of got a feeling like before Gilead, she was like yes. an introvert. And so the fact that you have to deal with all this pressure, okay, you're coming back, you know, you're not under the Gilead reign anymore, but now you're being mm-hmm. questioned about the decision you had to make to get out right. to survive. And, you know, she already doesn't share anyway. So having like that Mm -hmm. extra pressure, you know, it's like, and Sylvia's like, well, you could talk to me, but she's like, no, I can just handle this. I got it. I got it. She's internalizing everything and only talking about it when she needs to. Um, So it'll it'll be interesting to see when she gets to her breaking point, Um, because right now she's not really dealing with her trauma. She's just kind of bottling it up and trying to handle it on her own but we all know that doesn't end well (laughs) that's not a good look yeah 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 it never Never goes goes well well. yeah um so we next um kind of see serena and mrs winslow do something normal they're going house hunting um so mrs winslow you know now that she knows that fred has done so well her husband is basically wanting to promote him um and she's kind of 
become fast friends with Serena, she's like, oh my God, you guys would love living in DC. Like, let me show you a house. Um, And under normal circumstances, (laughs) this would be kind of like a fun thing to do. Like going to a house, you know, your your new rich friend showing you around the neighborhood, showing you the houses. Um, And they're like, you know, this is one of the few unrestored houses. Um, And they walk into this beautiful home that is a little dusty, but it looks like... You know, it looks like as if someone had just left. Um, when she, right. And they're like, oh, this is great. We could just clean yeah, this we up could for you and make it your um, home. So apparently there's a family living there. Um, they must have been executed, taken away because they were Baptist. And, um, but their home has been left untouched. So you can still see their family photos. You still see like, you know, breakfast on the table, a newspaper, um, you know, dust has settled in, you know, leaves have, have come into the home, but it's still very much this beautiful, well, um, beautifully furnished home with personal touches, you know, real people lived here. And here's Serena and Mrs. Winslow, like walking around like a realtor and her client, like, Oh, look at the ceilings. And Oh, look at these bay windows and oh there's a nursery (laughs) and there's bunk beds next door and it's furnished and it's like have you like have you no shame like yeah like they don't even care like okay so the family's just gone but you know hey there's room for me and my family and let me just clean it up a little bit right an entire family was slaughtered and they're just like amusing at how lovely the crown molding is like i was just like are y'all for real right now (laughs) yeah like i was rolling my eyes so hard in the scene i was like you have got to be kidding me right now (sighs) yeah those those ladies are something else um and so we cut to the other winslow and waterford um their husband the other something else the other something else and um so winslow tells fred that the canadians have agreed to talk about an extradition order um and this this is great news fred's like what like it worked my plan worked and you know winslow's clapping him on the back like you did a great job but you know what let's see if we can kind of string this along further you know so fred's like what you want me to keep nicole in canada and he's like yeah just a little bit longer um because it gives them a chance to like pump out this propaganda machine and um kind of make themselves look like heroes to have this victorious return of this child um so he, he you know he's basically trying to milk it for all it's worth so he's telling fred hold off on actually ha- having her come back here we, we want to keep the- pushing this forward so, you know, as I noted on the last episode, you know, he is here to um, basically capitalize on Nicole's quote unquote kidnapping. He, I don't think he really cares for Nicole herself. Um, so, yeah. And yeah. I think Winslow might have taught Fred in this episode. I mean, Fred is still cheesy and I can't stand mm-hmm. him, but I think Winslow is like slowly creeping his way up onto my list <laughs> to be a little bit more worse than Fred. Of corny men. Oh yeah, he's a high yeah. commander. So I absolutely think he's probably a snake in the grass. He didn't get and there. And he's real smooth. Like Fred is like corny. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you talking to me right now? Like Winslow is like super slick with it. Like yeah. hand on the back. Like, let me just whisper a little bit something to be super mm-hmm. slick with it. He's he's a suave man. He's a smooth operator for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Fred thinks he's a smooth operator, but he's yeah. Not. But it's just yeah, it's just so corny all the time. Yeah. So we next cut to June, 
she's basically coming back from Fish and Lowe's. She's asking um, Beth where Commander Waterford is. And Beth's another sarcastic one. She's like, I don't know. And some commander's place doing commander things. <laughs> I was like, good old Beth. So June's like, you know what? I need to talk to him. Um, I want to go to Brookline and see my daughter. I have to be there before three. Um, you know, if he's not here, can you go with me? Because I can't go by myself as a Martha. And Beth's like, uh-uh, I ain't going out there. No way. I got stuff to do here. And all these guardians are out and about. Nope. You got that. So June's like, oh, no problem. You know, can I help y'all? Can I take this tea up to Mrs. Lawrence? Uh, so Beth's like, yeah, okay. So Beth is not the brightest. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure not sure why she didn't pick up on the fact that June was was plotting. Um, so June takes um, Mrs. Mrs. Lawrence's afternoon tea up to her. Um, she kind of walks in. She's like, oh, it's been such a beautiful day. Because, you know, Mrs. Lawrence, um, she suffers from mental illness. Um, one could assume that it's something along the lines of bipolar disorder. She goes through ups and downs. She's manic. She's depressed impressive and um lawrence kind of keeps her in total darkness like he isolates her he makes her rest to get better um and so when june opens up those curtains lets the light in she kind of seduces her like she's just like isn't it a beautiful day wouldn't you love to take a long walk and mrs lawrence is like yes i'd like to she's like all right go get your coat. And I was like, come on, June. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. At that point, I was like, this is going to go so well, Mr. Lawrence find us out. Uh, but like, even <laughs> I'm just like, for me, it was kind of like, this is a woman who's obviously um, not all the way there. She's yeah, very she was vulnerable. Taking advantage. Yeah, yeah. You're taking advantage of her to kind of get what you want. This is not someone that you should like cross, not because, you know, she's this powerful person because she's an innocent, vulnerable lady. And you're just taking advantage of her, of her, of her mental state to get what you want. It's like, come on, June, like you're, you're, you're basically no better than anyone else at this point. Like we get that you want to see Hannah, but you're taking it too far. And that that's yeah. just my opinion on the matter. And then also having somebody that's like mentally not stable, that's still hurting you at the same time. Right. Like you can't, you if you're going to do these little coups and go this like undercover route, you know, you need somebody that's with it, you know, that knows it and out, that can roll with you. That's you know, that's not really like, yeah, that's not really like the best use of your time, you know. Yeah. So June is just her eyes on the prize. She wants to see Hannah. So she's just going to do whatever she can to see her. So they go on this walk. Um, and Mrs. Lawrence hasn't been outside in a while. So her presence is noticed. Um, so they run into Naomi Putnam and they have this awkward, uncomfortable exchange like Mrs. Lawrence loves children. You can tell she's fascinated by them. So when she sees Angela, she's like, oh, she's so beautiful. I'm so happy you didn't die because we thought you were going to die. And she kept saying that <laughs> over and over. I'm so yeah. glad you didn't die. And it just seems kind of looking like, okay, we got it. You can quit saying that now. Yeah. So like June's looking at her like, girl, calm down. And then Naomi's clearly uncomfortable. Um, And so like, she cuts it short. She's like, okay, let's go. Cause I always like, Oh my God, I haven't seen you in so long. You know, I keep asking when you're going to come to dinner. And then like, she tries to be normal with her. And then of course, Mrs. Lawrence kind of ruins it with this whole, like, I'm glad you didn't die, die, die. And I'm just like, <laughs> stop saying that word. That's, yeah. That's literally how she kept going. It was like, I was like, so is she at any point going to not say that phrase anymore? Uh, yeah. She, she just, she's not she's not a people person so june kind of like insists that they keep walking so she takes her they walk off and they end up on this bridge and um 
Mrs. Lawrence is kind of looking out and she can tell that she's just, she's thinking about children. So she confides in June that um, she's always pictured like what her child would look like. And, you know, she's always wanted children, but Joseph did not want children and not because they couldn't conceive, but because of her mental state. Um, Apparently she was a teacher. She was working full time and they kept adjusting her dosage. So it just wasn't a good time. Um, and June tells her like, you know what? I imagine being a mother in Gilead has his own set of challenges. And then, um, Mrs. Lawrence kind of says like, you know what? Maybe we did the right thing. Um, mm. cause I, I can see Mrs. Lawrence having a child in Gilead and probably being the main one trying to have, help that child escape. Cause she, she doesn't like Gilead. Yeah, she is not down. Yeah. She's not down with the whole Gilead situation, mm. which is probably not helping her mental, you know, state. whatever kind of mental yeah. disorder. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, June at this point finally feels some guilt for tricking this lady. And she tells her like, you know what? She comes clean. She's like, I lied to you. I didn't want to go for a walk. I wanted to see my daughter. This is one of the last chances I'll get to ever see her. Um, we need to go to Brookline to her school. And you know what? I'm sorry for lying to you. If you want me to take you home, I will. And Mrs. Lawrence, because she is one of those people that's kind of like eager to please. She's like, you know what? Let's go. You know, the the the, the train stop is is one one block away. Let's go. I'm keen for an adventure. And I'm just like, oh, like this this might work out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> um, so we next see Emily and Moira. And I kind of didn't realize I liked them as a duo. Um, they're at the bar and they're talking about the situation with Nicole. Um, you know, the whole reason why Emily was questioned was um to kind of help with things with the extradition of Nicole. If, you know, you know, she basically she's revealing what she did to get to Canada. Um, and right. Roy was like, uh-uh, the Canadian government needs to grow some balls and tell, you know, Gilead, no, like Nicole is a refugee. She should be protected just like us. Um, and so they kind of lighten the mood and, um, Moira starts to question her about, you know, her life before, even before she met Sylvia, like, you know, what kind of girl were you? Did you go out all the time? And kind of like what you said, you know, Emily admits to being an introvert. She really wasn't going out like that. Um, she spent most of her time in like the chem lab and then she met Sylvia and it was a wrap. Um, and so Moira's trying to like make connections with her. Like, oh, you went to Harvard. Do you know so-and-so? Do you know this girl? Do you know that girl? Emily's like, nope. And I love this line. She's like, I can't believe it. We don't have any gay in common. Like this is the first. <laughs> yeah, that was a good. That was a very good line. Like, this yeah. is the first time in the history of like lesbian lesbian dumb. I don't forget how she said it, but she was like, "This is the first time this has ever happened." I can't believe it. Um, so I thought that was funny. Yeah, and I like Mora because she has a way of her. I, I wish her character like. I mean, I guess she's out now, so they're probably working on. I guess she does get kind of enough screen mm-hmm. time. But it would be nice to see because she um, I just like the way her character has a like that subtle way of bringing stuff out of people. And she makes it funny the way she brings it out to like, you're not thinking about the fact that, you know, this is like things are crumbling a little Mm -hmm. bit around you. But she could kind of find a way to like help you focus on, you know, whatever, whatever it is that's kind of weighing you down, you know, like make a little lighter. Yeah, Moira would be a good therapist. Um, Yeah, she would. (laughs) Yeah, she, you know, she's looking for a job. I'm just saying she she would be a good good, uh, intake therapist for sure. So, I mean, they talk about, you know, Emily, her love for Sylvia. And then Moira kind of says she understands how she feels. And um, if you remember from the second season, um, Moira fell in love with the doctor, the doctor that um, helped her through her surrogacy with her first child. Uh, So she kind of reminisces on that. And then they get a phone call. 
So Moira was like, I got to go. There's this uh, minister of security. Um, we're going to go protest. We're going to basically be in his face questioning him. And Emily is like, well, can I go? And Moira was like, sure. So they basically follow this man around as he's trying to leave his office. Um, and they question him. They're like, you know, why aren't, why isn't Canada refusing Gilead's request for extradition? Um, and then the minister kind of says, like, you know, we care about the safety of our refugees, but, you know, Nicole's biological parents have surrendered their rights to her. And this is when Emily kind of snaps. Because before she was kind of like straggling along, she wasn't like quite involved. But this time she's like, what? no like nicole's mom gave me nicole i risk my life to get her here like this is not what she wants like you need to take care of nicole like you need to do your job and like she gets like really riled up and she uh she gets taken away her and moira (laughs) so you're like (laughs) but i was like yeah i was kind of nervous at first because i didn't know i was like "Uh, what does that mean exactly But i kind of like seeing her come out of herself i like the fact that she exploded like she yeah that was that. cool though. she needed that she needed yeah because she's very yeah she's very like calm cool collected together so yeah I, I did like i think the thing was that was good like her finally like you know standing up for her truth a little bit you know being able to to shout it out a yeah little it was bit. cathartic so you know she needed to explode she needed that um and so next we see mrs lawrence and june approach the gates of the school um, so Mrs. Lawrence approached the gates and she asked, she's like, Commander Parker. And he's just like, Commander Parker, or not, excuse me, Guardian Parker. She's like, Guardian Parker. And um, the Guardian there is like, no, Parker's not here. Like, what can I do for you? And she's like, well, I'm the wife of Commander Lawrence. And I was promised a tour of the grounds, a uh, tour of the school. So he's like, okay, fine. I can arrange that for you. And you think, you know, like, oh, this might work. And so she walks through and then the gate closes in on June. June is not allowed inside. Um, so one, Mrs. Lawrence is left by herself. Not a good idea. Two, yeah. um, this is kind of putting June in a, precar- a precarious situation because she's basically wandering the perimeter of the school. I don't think they want a handmaid poking around. Um, and so she, yeah, I was surprised she wandered as far as she did. To yeah. be honest, like I, I thought for sure somebody was gonna like yank her up or something and drag her back to the front or something. Yeah, like that. but she, I mean, she's able. She's not able to see Hannah because the walls are so high. So this is kind of like not the plan um but she's able to hear hannah she hears hannah playing and she's like she's so far but she's so close and um you know she hears her giggling she hears her laughing and playing with her friends and this is kind of like the only thing that she can really hold on to so she is like crying and laughing all at the same time and she's reminiscing and you know she's flashing back to when hannah was a toddler and you hear hannah giggling and like i don't know about you but have hearing a little kid like a kid that young laugh is like the best sound in the world to me like I think it's the cutest thing yeah yeah and then like combined with her yeah and combined with her like facial expression like you could tell it was just like you know it got to her like if she had nothing else in that moment it was just that she could just sit yeah there, and just listen to her daughter you know which yeah yeah which was just like one of those real touching moments and you know I got the face <laughs> moment so yeah so she's just like hi baby I'm here and you know she's kind of living <laughs> in the moment and then a guardian approaches her and you're just like oh snap 
to the back. Yep, you like, moment, moment over. over, we're done. <laughs> so he basically takes her back to the front. At this point, Mrs. Lawrence is frantic. She's in a panic. She's like, I want to see the children. You promised me the children. I want to see the children. And then they're like, she keeps, they're like looking to June for help. Like she keeps asking to see the children. And then that's when June's like, you know what? She's confused. She has mental issues. Like leave her alone. Um, and so Mrs. Lawrence is like, just take me home, June. And June, you know, takes her back. But she, before she goes, she kind of looks away, looks towards the school longingly, like her last glimpse of Hannah, essentially. And um, she takes her back. So this is like, you ever been in a, you ever like did something wrong? And you know, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And your mom or da- yeah. your mom or most likely your dad comes home. And like, you're scared because you know you did something wrong and you feel like you're right right that's that whole like, yeah like beat your ass essentially <laughs> that's like yeah you know like you're like sitting there like how bad is it I'm scared uh, like, how bad is like gonna Ralph, go daddy's gonna kill ralphie like no he's not yes, yeah, he's perfect, yes he yeah. that's exactly right there uh, yeah, yeah so you know june watches on as joseph puts mrs lawrence to bed um and mrs lawrence feels bad she's like please forgive me of joseph i did my best and she's like it's okay so um, June sits on the steps and she's kind of like rocking back and forth. And she, you could tell like she's a, she's scared, a little scared. Yeah. Like what's he going to say? What's, what's he going to do? Happen? So she kinda, when he walks out after putting Mrs. Lawrence to bed, he's just like, he doesn't even say anything to her. And then June's like, you know what? I did not intend to put her in harm's way. I meant no harm. You know, I didn't want to put her in danger. And Joseph walks by, like, disgusted. Like, he doesn't, he, he doesn't even have any words for her. He walks down the steps. And that's when June kind of gets a little fire in her. And she's like, you know what? She came alive when she was out there. You should have seen her. You should have been there. And she walks away. And I'm like, well, at least she got away with it <laughs> to a degree. Like, Yeah, because yeah, I was surprised. Like, well, yeah, we don't know. I was going to say, I don't know if something's going to happen. But I was surprised that she walked away yeah. from that one. Cause I just knew, like, cause he got mad when she was just like, um, "What were they doing?" Like, I don't know if it was like, going through the tapes or something. Or no, he just she just yeah, asked she's like, about her. with the Martha and, situation, she was like, "How's your wife?" Yeah, and she and he just blew up over that. But I'm like, she taking her out the house. They going on little adventures. He just walks past. I'm like, I don't know. That makes me a little nervous because I'm like, he can say yeah, anything. He basically looks so disgusted. Like he just didn't even feel like dealing with her. Like I'll deal with you later. Um, yeah. so <laughs> the next. Which yeah, oh boy. So the next scene, um, you know, you, you see the Waterfords going to dinner. Um, and once again, it's kind of something normal that normal couples would do. They're they're at this nice restaurant, and then Serena's like, I know Rita would never admit it, but I'm I'm sure she's happy she had a night off away from us. And um I wouldn't need yeah. a night off. <laughs> and they, you know, he asked her about her day. And apparently <laughs> she went to like an art museum and she's so happy that the art was restored after the war. And they just kind of talk about like the past and before. Um, and this is the first time you see the, the the Waterfords close and intimate, you know, since he chopped off, he got her, her, her pinky chopped off. You know, you can see them slowly rebuilding their marriage. Um and, you know, they, they basically talk and Fred ends up telling her that she's like, you've just been so patient and I appreciate you. And then she says, like, you know, I know that we'll have a home of our own one day. And he tells her, like, we will, all of us. Um, and Serena's like, huh? And he's like, you know, Nicole is going to be coming back. And so Serena's like, what? Like, what did you do? And he's like, I'm just good at my job. Um, 
And he basically tells her, like, you know, she's going to come back, but, you know, we don't have a timeline, so don't push me for it. Yeah, I like how he threw that in there. Knowing darn well that Winslow told him they're going to keep her out there. And even even Serena said, like, isn't it kind of better for her to stay out there? Isn't it more, like, politically savvy to keep her there? And he's like, nope, she's going to come back. We just just don't know when. Um, So this makes Serena happy. So they're all happy couple, lovey-dovey, yada, yada. Um... So we next cut to, I like the scene. So we next cut to Moira in, um, and Emily in the slammer. <laughs> They've apparently been arrested. <laughs> I got so, I don't know why, but tell me why I flashed back oh, to like the, um, the cages where they were hit. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, please tell me that's not what this <laughs> is right now. I, I got so nervous. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why I would think that transition would move so quickly like that. But I just thought it was the other one. I was yeah, like, oh, it was. God. It, it, you know, you did think about the whole orange is a new black vibe and Pusey Washington. You're just like, please don't <laughs> off her on this one. Um, <laughs> so they're they're um they're in a cell next to each other. Well, two different cells divided by this um the bars and um Moira kind of wonders like uh she's like yeah I think Luke will be cool about this you know about bailing them out and she's like you know is Sylvia gonna be okay with this and Emily basically tells her like Sylvia hasn't really pride she's basically allowed me to you know come to terms with things at my own pace so you know she should be okay um and then Emily confesses like you know but there's a lot of things that she doesn't know about um and she tells Moira that she killed a wife back in the colonies that she poisoned her um and if you remember the wife was played by marissa tomei and she uh basically gave her pills making it seem like they were like iodine pills to keep you know keep the radiation away but they were really yeah i didn't see that one coming that was actually pretty slick yeah, they're really something one. else and it ended up it ended up poisoning her she like threw up her whole life literally and died <laughs> yeah so emily you know and this is kind of one of the deaths where Emily didn't have to kill this woman. Like everything else she did was out of necessity. This was just out of spite. Like you are a wife of Gilead. You love this life of privilege. I'm going to take you out. And then Moira admits that she killed a commander and she didn't have to, you know, when she escaped to Canada while she was still a Jezebel um, by the name of Ruby, she slept with the commander. She could have escaped you know, without harming him, but she killed, she slit his throat while he was asleep. So they both admit to doing these terrible things. And Emily's like, like, look what this place has done to us. And so Moira kind of levels with her and she tells her like, you know, have you killed anyone since you uh, left Gilead? And Emily's like, no. And then Moira was like, I haven't either. So I guess we'll be okay. And I'm like, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, that's all the way to look at it. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah you got to move past it somehow you can't be like oh well i kind of kill you know some way to kind of move on which i think is i think this is going to be like a good yeah. thing for emily to have somebody confide that she in. can like you know confide in yeah i mean you would hope it'd be sylvia eventually but sylvia but... didn't go through what emily yeah and moira has gone through so they kind of it's almost like are you ever, you see this with like people that were on reality shows together or people that gone through i mean that's a dumb example people that w- went through traumatic things together like um you know brothers at arms you know only they this exclusive club people know what each other have gone through and yeah. it's very hard to yeah. talk to other people about it because they don't understand so Moira not only is a very empathetic person but she also understands exactly what Emily went through and then on top of that they're both lesbians like they have a lot in common um so yeah so it's gonna 
more as like Emily's little like uh, po- uh yeah, move yeah, around therapist yeah, definitely <laughs> um and so we next see the Waterfords they're attending this gala um and they're walking in and they're you now they're dressed up and the Win- uh, Wenzel approaches Fred and tells him like I need you to come with me to convince some skeptics so like some people aren't really believing that Fred can actually do this can actually get Nicole back to Gilead um so Serena actually walks into this this ball this gala by herself and it's it's beautiful like it's this beautiful ballroom well lit you see all these beautiful people in long blue dresses and all the commanders are in tuxes everyone looks really snazzy um and so serena is greeted by mrs winslow and her and her fellow wife friends um and she meets evelyn who was actually the person that planned this whole event but because she's a woman she's a wife the credit goes to her dentist (laughs) so I was like, all right, okay. Um, and they're basically saying like the these peacocks need to strut in front of each other. Um Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I really I, I gotta admit, like before I was kind of rolling my eyes because I'm like, I'm so tired of these scenes where they just like, oh, this this is like the perfect world, mm-hmm. everything is in order. But I did like that little combination between the wives, like kind of joking it up and talking about their husbands yeah, a little and bit. Yeah, they basically tell like Serena, like, loosen up. You're like, you're among friends. You're fine. Um, so, you know, they're chatting it up. And then Serena spots Fred across the ballroom. And he approaches her. And they dance. Um, and it's kind of like, I don't know if it was a tangle, but it was sensual. Like, I was like, um, this is a little. Yeah. I. I feel awkward. I feel a little awkward, you know, because I was like, I, I don't know. I still, I still can't get over the. I just, I don't know. I just can't get over them, the both of them. Like the stuff they done, I just don't get it. And then like them catching each other eyes across the room. I yeah, was like, making what is hungry eyes right at each other, and they're dancing, and she slips her legs between his, and you know, he he dips her. And you're just like, this is kind of erotic for Gilead. Like, yeah, I was like, what is and so you know to their surprise everybody has stopped and is watching them and they're applauding them and they're like they're back to being this power couple um so i was like yeah boo yeah and the other thing (laughs) the other thing i thought was funny about this ball too was um with the blue gowns i like how everybody was talking about how great everybody looked but they essentially just added like a sleeve or did something to the top of the dress. <laughs> it was still the same dress. I was like, what like y'all all look about? the same. But okay, go off. Like even their hairstyles were the same. They just happened to have like a a blue flower in their right. hair. They were like, Girl, you look fabulous. I'm like, she looked like you. Y'all wearing the same thing. <laughs> oh, they have a nice little about? touch with the gloves. I mean, they 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 dressed it up a little bit. Um, kind of like with um June's upgraded handmade dress. Even though it's like a plain red dress, it's like a little bit more upgraded so we'll let them have it (laughs) so the next scene um definitely gets real and we see june's actions kind of catch up to her um so the handmaids are brought out again before the ropes um and june's like what's going on this is like like what the fifth one this week and of Robert tells June that the Mackenzies are gone and no one knows where they are, not even her commander. Um, and you know, of Robert is that girl with that information. She's like the Gretchen Wiener of of Gilead. Like she knows everything. So if she doesn't know what the Mackenzies are, yeah. right. And where Hannah yeah. is, like nobody will. Um, so June's like, okay. And then she sees Hannah's Martha walk onto the platform. 
And this is when June knows she effed up. Um, and the Martha is like, yeah. you can see in her eyes, she's like terrified. She's looking at June. She's almost like she's pleading with June to save her, but there's no saving her at this point. And Aunt Lydia basically tells the handmaids, like, you know, this woman who was supposed to take care of a child supposed to be there for her support her love on her conspired against her and that is like the worst crime ever in Gilead and for that she must die um and so all the handmaids grab the ropes and June basically is like I'm not doing this not Lydia she knows you know obviously she knows something if this Martha's out here on this platform and she tells June like pick up the rope you know you're not exempt from this so June yeah. pulls the rope along with the rest of the handmaids and we're watching this Martha like she's you can hear her like crying and whimpering you know the rope gets put around her neck the handmaids you know heave ho pull the rope and the platform is, is let down and she hangs um and this is where I'm just like you know what I'm about sick of June because this is the second person and <laughs> I'm going to know this is the second person of color. This is the second black person that June is responsible for killing. Oh, yeah. I didn't even, yeah, that took it to a whole other yeah. level. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because I forgot about the yeah. guy that was driving yeah. like the bakery. Once again, so the, I, I forgot for you guys, um, you know, refresher. Um, when June escaped in season two, um, a baker was sent to her um, safe house to take her. Um, at that point, it was unsafe. She had to stay where she was, but June insisted. So the baker took her back home. And even that was risky, but you know what? If June had just kept her butt in the apartment, she would have been fine. But instead, she t- decides to yeah. take this the wife, the wife's clothing of the baker, take her clothes and disguise herself as an Akana wife, and then she escaped, tried to escape to Canada. So as a result of that, he was was hanged. And then they found like the Quran in his home. So like so yeah, he basically was hanged. He was put on the wall. His wife was um, made into a handmaid and their son was given to another family. So she's responsible for like the destruction of this family because she was so gun ho on doing what she wanted to do. So this is one black person that she's indirectly responsible for killing. This is another one. If she had just left well left alone and kind of moved a little differently, she, she, should, she shouldn't have involved this Martha in, in her schemes. Um, and so this is the second person that she's responsible for killing and they just happen to be black. So just like, come on, June, like, give it yeah, together. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's running up the score. I mean, I just don't know what to say about June because she, I mean, there's a fight there that you have. To, I feel like you need some of that. You, I feel like you either just be like an of Matthew where you just going to go with it and let it go. Like be in denial or you're going to fight against it. But She's just, I, I just, I mean, the way she's fighting, it's just like, if you could just think about it just a little bit, you know, it's just so much like she's running up a tally, like you said, of just people that are taking the brunt of what you're doing. So you just running around Gilead, just doing whatever, you know, and eventually you go run out of people that want to help you because mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to have like any commanders or any higher ups helping you anymore. You know, yeah. with Nick, with her finding out Nick's true color, she doesn't have anybody. So you like, okay, these are the people you go to, but word is going to get around that you kind of reckless with the stuff you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say about June. I'm kind of, I, I agree with you on your thoughts on June on that one on this episode. Cause I just, I, I like her fight, but I just wish there was this like, 
you know, some map, some something to get her like on a on a like a stealthier path because this yeah. just can't be good the way she's going. Yeah, she moves. She moving too funny for me right now. And so, um, you know, after this execution, um, they are dismissed, and June is the last one to drop her rope. She walks off. She storms out in front of these handmaids. She's like pushing them to the side. She's clearly pissed off. I want to be like, you need to be mad at yourself. <laughs> not yeah you know not you know be, be mad at yourself don't put your blame on anyone else so as she's walking away of Matthew just can't help herself and she's like you should be thanking me I saved you you know your temptation has been lifted and June turns around and is like what did you do and if Matthew tells her she's like Aunt Lydia told me to spy on you I saw you talking to that Martha I saved you and it's at this point that June basically does the equivalent of taking off her earrings and putting her hair up she takes off them wings drops them on the floor and she rushes over to of Matthew and strangles her she's like you effing do you know what you did I'll never see my daughter like she's going in yeah she lost it yeah she lost it and I kind of I thought I would never feel bad for of Matthew, but I kind of feel a little, I kind of feel bad, but then I don't. Cause I'm like, you shouldn't yeah, have been doing yeah. all that. But I was like, nobody told you to do all that. I mean, you could have spied from a distance. Nobody told you to do all that. Do all that. Um, and so, but you know, at the end of the day of Matthew was doing her job, that's what the walking partners are for to keep an eye on each other. So like in the eyes of Gilead, she did nothing wrong. Um, and she, in her mind, she thinks, you know, she was helping June. She removed the temptation of her daughter. Um, and so, June's choking the life out of her and the other handmaids pull her off and she's like ah like she's raging yeah she's still going yeah she's raging she kind of like get off me and she walks off (laughs) and we basically cut cut to black June's pissed um so yeah that's the end of the episode um (laughs) snitches get stitches so yep. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait to see this turned up uh level level like 15, 16 June in the coming episodes. Yeah, she's pissed, but once again, she don't needs to be mad at herself because you know <laughs> if Matthew might have snitched, but if she had just left well enough alone, she, this would never have happened. She would still at least be able to be close to Hannah. Now your daughter Yeah, that's gone. the part that got me. Yeah, that she don't know now she don't know where Hannah's at. I'm like, oh God. She don't know if they about to bring the coal back. This is it's crazy. There's too much going on. She's at she's basically snapped. Um, so this is when I say you know, we're still going to start to see dark June, like June go over to the dark side. Um, and so next week episode, I'm super excited to talk to touch on because it's actually, you know, we've been asking for this for a while now we're actually gonna get an aunt lydia flashback like an aunt lydia yes i can't wait (laughs) so i can't wait to dive into that kind of see what kind of molded her to be this woman um and then we all see the after effects of of matthew snitching um and you know how (laughs) how she's gonna be treated by the other handmaids now that they all know that she basically betrayed june and they, 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 I know what she's gonna do. They ain't gonna tell her nothing. They just gonna keep sending her the different produce aisles. <laughs> but <we'll, laughs> nobody gonna be talking to her. Yeah, they don't trust her. But we'll see. You know how that turns out. But um, this episode, like you said, was a filler. It ended with a bang for sure. Um, and you know, we were we were making some progress with of Matthew, but 
clearly yeah, she went back again she disappointed me again clearly she went back um so yeah so unfortunately it was a lot going on this week so i didn't get a chance to tweet out our question so we're just going to put that out there again for this week um you know now that we're seeing how june is moving how do you think she should go about things uh how how did you know should she have said something when she was out in D.C. amongst all these thousands of handmaids and kind of started an uprising? Or should she move more stealthily? Like, how should June go about setting up this revolution? Because right now she sucks at it. So Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the episode. Do you have any uh, final thoughts, Ryan? Nope. I'm just, uh, I just can't wait. I want to know. I want to, we've been dying to know about Aunt Lydia. Yeah. I cannot wait to see how this is going to unfold. Yeah. Um, June, like I'm nervous about the dark June, but I'm also ready for it to escalate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we can go ahead and get to that stopping point. Cause I just want to know, I'm just so curious to know what the creators and everything have planned for her character. Yeah, for sure. Because it's so like, to me, it's so jerky right now where you can't really put her one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, Like she's a, so I can't wait. It's yeah. like one step forward and two steps back for her all, all the time. So it's, yeah. So I'm wondering like what they getting at, like, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. And then like now that Hannah's not within like where she knows where her location is that's kind of was like keeping her like on the straight and narrow pretty much right now it's like knowing that her daughter was somewhere near yeah yeah, now it's like mask off so (laughs) right right i cannot wait i know this is gonna be crazy definitely can't wait to break down next week's episode but um so guys um you know if you want to answer the question tweet at us at black girl nerds at bgn podcast and at black girl geeks or you can dm us tweet us at our own personal uh, Twitter handles. Mine is Melanin Mommy two eight one six and Ryan. I know hers by heart. It's at November Bear. <laughs> so um, let us know your thoughts. Oh, and I just learned your Instagram. Cool blur. Yes, yeah, underscore two eight one six. Okay, yes, yeah, so you can you can and you can hit me up on Insta. I think I should um, make them all the same, but who knows? Um, for now, I, I like. Yeah, mine isn't either. Yeah. I- worried about that i was gonna do it but i'm like oh is that doing too much when i change right. it up? i mean like, i like my twitter handle but i also equally like my instagram handle so whatever but guys if you want to reach out to us <laughs> let us know yeah just let us know let and us know we'll, we'll be looking out for that um so yeah i can't wait to talk about next week's episode um and we'll we'll, we'll see you next week bye guys bye the black girl nerds podcast is produced by jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.